going to be in Matthew chapter 15. 25 would probably work, but we're going to be Matthew chapter 15. That's what I get when you can't read your own handwriting sometimes. I want to say thank you to our awesome, amazing pastor that we have for letting me preach tonight. Uh, he is a true man of God and a true mentor to me, so I'd never take for granted the opportunity to preach. Um, and thank the church for allowing me to be the youth pastor here. Um, the lock-in just reminded me how much fun it is and how much a blessing it is to be able to give the gospel to those who may have never heard it. So it's just a, it's a blessing that you guys all support and allow us, me and my family, to serve as the youth pastors, and I'll never take that for granted either. Tonight I want to preach a sermon to you that was preached to me. Um, it was a sermon that I heard on a live stream some weeks ago. If you're in here in the youth, you've already heard it. Um, I preached it to them uh, quite a few weeks back. Um, but this, this outline was an evangelist uh, put together. His name is Tyler Blue, um, and he preaches all over the country. And he preached this message, and I wrote down the outline, and it's, been, it's, it's stuck with me. Um, so I got in my study, and I started to look at this outline and put more things to it that I thought would be uh, more applicable to my life and that would preach to me. Because how many know you can't really tell somebody else anything or preach to anybody else or sing to anybody else until it's been a blessing to you, until it's really moved you? So uh, I hope this is a blessing to you tonight, uh, and th that's where I got this outline. But tonight I want to preach in Matthew chapter number 15. Stand with me when you find verse 21. Matthew chapter number 15, verse number 21. The Bible says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Tonight I want to preach on this thought. I'll just take the crumbs. I'll just take the crumbs. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this message that was preached to me. God, I pray that you get me out of your way tonight and preach your word to your people here that are gathered, your family, your children. God, I pray that you give each and every person something that they came looking for. Father, for the ones that are in here that night that may be lost, I pray that you save them. For the ones that are in here tonight that may need comfort, I pray that you comfort them. For those of you in here tonight that are praying for something and needing something, God, I pray that you grant it. God, according to your will, God, speak to this thy people. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated couple things we want to lay the groundwork on tonight as we begin this message. And number one is that we have a busy, busy God here in this passage. Jesus had been very, very busy leading up until this point. We're right smack dab in the book of Matthew. We've, we had seen him up until this point perform many miracles. And the fame of those miracles had begun to spread throughout all the area. Uh, Jesus had preached the Sermon on the Mount. He had uh, completely and totally shifted the thinking of a, of a huge group of people there, of, of thinking that they had to do everything that the Pharisees 
said and then fulfill every jot and fulfill every tittle and pay this and pay that and sacrifice this and sacrifice that. He had shaken the culture up with that sermon there on the mount. He had called the 12 disciples and some of them he called out of livelihoods and out of things that didn't make them very spiritual people, didn't make them very uh, religious people by the standards of that day. But he had begun to gain this following of tax collectors and of uh, different people and different things, of different trades, of fishermen, of different things like that. And uh, he began to kind of perform this reputation as he was becoming a healer and he was going and he was healing the blind, he was healing the sick, he was raising people from the dead, he had fed the 5,000, he had walked on the water, uh, and John the Baptist had now been executed for preaching the same message that Jesus was preaching. So things are really beginning to heat up in the ministry of Jesus Christ at this point. And he was a very, very busy God tonight. Not only was he busy but and a busy God, but there was a broken daughter. Here in our text, we find a Canaanite woman running out to Jesus and his disciples as they left uh, the house of Israel, as they left Galilee and began to journey to the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, they were going into, it's important to understand, they were going into Gentile territory. They were not going where Judaism had spread to or, or been an influence on. They were going into uh, the other side of the tracks, if you will. They were going to the, the different people, the other folks, the ones that aren't like them, the ones that didn't worship like them, the ones that didn't dress like them. And they would have been on guard for those type of people, if you will. And this woman has a broken daughter and she runs out to them in verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out to the same coast and cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Notice here, it's incredibly interesting that although she is a Canaanite, although that she is not a Jew, although that she was probably a pagan of pagan lineage and paganism herself, she calls Jesus here the son of David. She recognizes his messiahship. She recognizes that the things that the Jews have been looking for and the things that the Jews have been watching for are coming to pass. Jesus had just left a place in Galilee where they were questioning who he was. Jews that had grown up under the law, grown up under the synagogue, grown up under the teaching. He had just left in the verses before this in chapter 15, a group of people who should have recognized him as the Messiah, who should have recognized him as the son of David. But yet we have this lady of no reputation, of no livelihood, of no lineage of David or Israel or any of that, recognizing him and calling him the son of David. She knew she had a problem. She said, my Lord, <clears throat> O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Her daughter did not have a physical problem tonight. She had heard of Jesus casting and, and fixing spiritual and, and physical and all these different things, but her daughter was not facing a physical problem tonight. She was not uh, sick with an ailment, even though she had probably heard of Jesus helping in those situations. Her daughter was not having an emotional problem. She wasn't just throwing a fit. She wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just something that this too shall pass. She, her daughter had a spiritual problem. Her daughter was vexed. Her daughter was more than likely possessed with a demonic spirit. She calls him vexed with a devil. And here we're going to look at a young lady who has a, a broken daughter who knows that she has a spiritual issue. And the only one that can solve a spiritual issue is someone who has experience in spiritual issues. And she knew that Jesus was the only hope for the problem that she had. There was nothing back in Tyre and Sidon. She had a broken daughter and she set out on a bold mission. Jesus again was in Gentile territory. His disciples would have been trained and been ready to deal with those type of people. You and I would have kind of just to kind of paint the picture of what his disciples would have been going on when we go to an area that we know is not a good area to be in. And we go to a place where that 
that maybe the people aren't like us or the people don't do things the way we do them or the people, there's a high crime rate or there's a high uh, you know, influence of witchcraft or evil or paganism or drugs. And we go to these areas, we go a little bit on guard, don't we? And we're ready for those types of people, quote unquote, and we're ready for people like that, quote unquote, and we, we, we watch for them and we seek out for them. So no doubt when she comes running to meet them and she's crying after Jesus, their disciples would have immediately went on alert and said, oh, here we go. We're on the other side of the tracks and here she comes, this Canaanite woman, this woman that doesn't know God, this woman that doesn't know anything, but when she calls out, she calls him the son of David. She recognizes his authority. She recognizes his power. And yet they still look at her and they say, master, this woman won't leave us alone, send her away. So she had a bold mission tonight. She knew that there was nothing back in Tyree and Sidon for her. She knew that she probably would not be well received. She knew that she was at the place where only God could solve her problem. Some of us have been in that place and we've been in that time where the only way that we're going to get help, the only way that there's going to be a solution is if God does it. She may not have known every jot and tittle of the law. She may have not been brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. She may not have knew the Jewish lineage of Jesus. She may not have known all the religious things that went along with his ministry, but she knew that he was God and she knew that he would be the only one that could solve her spiritual problem that she had. And she wasn't even there on behalf of herself. She was there on behalf of her broken daughter tonight. So we see a hurt, broken woman coming to Jesus. And we see Jesus react differently in this passage than I find him reacting in any other passage of Scripture. Jesus' uh, attitude and his response to her cries and response to her wants and response to her needs was very, at first glance, very cold tonight. Number one, let's notice her petition. Notice her petition. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a spirit. Reason she came, there was no nothing that could solve the problem that she had back in Ty Tyre and Sidon. Like we've already said, there was nothing in her hometown. There was nobody that lived down the street. There was no doctor in her area. There was no person, place, or thing in her country, in her place of origin that could solve the problem she had. She had to come and see Jesus. She had to come and see God. Not only the reason she came, but the reason she cried. Famous saying right here is that God won't put more on you than you can handle. That's not in our Bibles. I don't know where that came from other than birthed out of the lies of hell so that people will think that they have in some way and their own morality and their own attributes a way to conquer things and get through things. But what our Bible does say is that sin, the life on this world, many times you will be burdened with things that you can't handle and many times you will be overloaded with stresses and anxieties and things that you can't handle. But what our Bible does say is that we'll never be loaded with anything that God can't handle. And that we'll never have anything come up in our life and in our circumstances that our King, our Lord, our Savior hasn't already seen, hasn't already conquered, hasn't already overcome. And here this lady finds herself at the end of her rope to the point where she knew she could not handle it anymore. She could not deal it anymore. She had to get 
to Jesus. She had to get to Jesus. This word here simply means to cry aloud, to shriek or to wail or to yell. This word here, the word cry, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but when you look it up in your strongs, you'll find that this wasn't just a, a slow moan or this wasn't just a quiet, you know, bickering or, or cry or, or a little weeping or a little, you know, soft shed alligator, crocodile tears, whatever you want to call it. This would have been a shriek. This would have been a yell. It would have been, Lord, I need you. Lord, and she's hurting. Lord, help me she had reason she was crying was not because she wanted something for her but because she wanted something for her daughter and I want you to get this her petition was from her heart with every fiber of her being and verse 23 says but he answered her not a word but he answered her not a word she had the most sincere of motives she had the most sincere of a cry she was at a place where she could not take it anymore. She could not carry it anymore. She could not walk another step, go through another day without bringing her burden to Jesus. She pours her whole heart into this cry. She pours her whole heart into this plea. And he answered her not a word. Thank God for her petition, but thank God for her persistence. Because immediately we're going to see in this conversation that there were some obstacles in her way. Number one, there was a silent obstacle. How many times have we prayed and it just seems like the response is silence? Complete and total silence. We pour ourselves out to God. We bring everything before him. We lay it all on the table. We lay it all on the altar. We call our friends. We call our neighbors. We call our church family. We say, please pray. Please pray. Please pray. But it just seems like silence. But he answered her not a word. I thought about it like this. We all have these new devices now, our phones, and they have GPS on them. I read a thing the other day where parents were having to call other parents and other adults to explain to their kids that they really did have maps on paper because the kids truly thought that that was back in the pirate days and the pirates were the only ones that ever had maps on paper and we've always had these, okay? But before we had these... Uh, I just got a text message from Governor Brian Kemp, all right? I'm, I'm apparently a big deal. But uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we have these devices that allow us to have GPS where satellites in space can see our specific location and through uh, an amazing voice of Siri, all right, or whatever lady they program into the map app, I don't know, it doesn't matter which lady it is or what her voice sounds like or probably what she even looks like. My wife can't stand her. It's the weirdest thing. But they... <laughs> They put, they put this little lady in the phone and it'll say in five miles, turn left. And three miles, turn right. A red light ahead, turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right. You guys get the picture. And I've been so accustomed to, I don't have to know how to get there. I'm just going to punch it in my phone and my phone's going to tell me when to get there. Okay. And I thought about the silence that she received. And I thought about even though she poured and she had a direction, she had a motivation, she had everything she needed to get what she needed from the Lord. But the response he gave her was complete and total silence. And I thought about it like this. You and I know that if we were to get in a car and take a journey tomorrow, we were all going to go to Disney World. We'd fill up that bus and everybody would tell me which way to go and I'd be driving. But you know what? I wouldn't really worry about what everybody was saying. I'd worry about what that little GPS. I trust Siri more than I trust anybody back in that bus because she's got satellites. She's got GPS. She knows where everything's at. And she would tell me to turn right. She'd tell me to turn left. She'd get me on the interstate. And then we'd get on 75 South. And on 75 South, she would say, continue for 487 miles on 75 South, wouldn't she? Or a long distance. 
Now, how many of us, we go, all right, we got 487 miles. We just turn the GPS off, throw it in the back seat. We're not that faithful, are we? About every five miles, we're going, we're still going the right way. We're still going, we're watching that blue line. She's silent, don't miss this. She's silent for 483 of those 487 miles. Completely and totally quiet. Not because we're going the wrong way, but because we're going the right way. For 483 miles, Siri will not say a word. She will not utter a word unless we do what? At times in our life, we cry out and we plead and we beg. God, please, I need this to happen. I, I, I have no other choice. I'm pouring it all out to you. And it just seems like it's silent. Could it be, could it be that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing? And we're going the way that we're supposed to go. And that in our might, in our strength, and in our flesh, we're doing everything we can possibly do. So we just need to keep going. We just need to keep walking. We just need to keep going the direction we're going. Jesus heard her. He heard her before the words ever came out of her mouth. Jesus knew that she was going to be there before she knew she was going to be there. Jesus saw her from eternity to eternity. Jesus knew this appointment was coming. He did not ignore her because she was doing the wrong, the wrong thing. She, he ignored her because she was on the right path. She was at the right place. Why is, she doing, why is he doing this to you, to, to this lady in this text? Why is he ignoring her? Why, if, if, he's, if we skip, if you're like me, and you just skip to the end of the chapter and you see that he performs the miracle for her. So why didn't he just do it? Why is he making her go through this silent obstacle? Why is he so quiet? It's for people like you and people like me that may not understand what to do when there's silence. Keep doing it. Keep moving. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. Because how many of you know the moment you get off that exit to go to a gas station? Recalculating. Turn right. Turn around. Perform a U-turn at the next available moment. Stop, stop, stop. You're going the wrong way. You've messed up. You should have listened to your wife. She was right. I was wrong. And you should have kept going straight. Stop. The moment we veer off that path, Siri has an absolute fit. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us. When we get off the path, when we get out of God's will, he's going, no, 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 no. You knew better than to go down there. You know better than to go down this road. You know better than to say these things. You know better than to go to these places. You know better than to treat her this way. You know better than to treat him this way. You know better than to act this way. You know better than to perform this way at work. You know better. But Jesus is silent. She had the silent obstacle to overcome. She had the race obstacle. She was a Canaanite. Canaanite here wouldn't have been what they called him right then, but this would have been an ancestral term. This would be like calling somebody a Jew rather than a Galilean or a Nazarite or something like that. A Canaanite means her ancestry went back to a place that wasn't very good. And her race was socially and culturally completely divided from the race of Christ, the Jews. She knew that they would probably not even listen to her just because of the color of her skin or the, the lineage that she had. She had that obstacle to overcome. And we see her here in the silence. She had a religion obstacle. For a long time, maybe her, maybe her family, maybe her community would have probably worshipped the wrong things. They would have probably been in the pitfalls of paganism 
or they would have been in full-blown idolatry of some sort. They would have been worshiping, uh, you name it, they probably were worshiping it. They weren't worshiping Yahweh. They weren't worshiping Jehovah. They weren't worshiping Adonai. They were not worshiping the one and true living God. As our preacher said this morning, there's only one true living God, and that is Yahweh, that is Elohim, that is Jesus Christ, that is the I Am of the Old Testament, that is the Jesus Christ of the New Testament. He's one and three and three and one. He's the reason why this lady's on this road. He's the reason why you and I are sitting here today, and he is the one that she needed to be worshiping, but here in this moment, her whole life, she'd probably been raised up worshiping the wrong things, doing the wrong things, but in this very moment, in verse number 20, <clears throat> in verse number 25, she makes a decision to start worshiping the right things. Look at verse number 25, or he says, and let's back up and put some context here, verse 23, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of Israel. There's that race and religion obstacle that she's having to overcome here. Then came she and worshipped him. Think about this. She's come and she's poured her whole heart out to Jesus. And he was silent. The disciples come and say, Send this woman away. Send her packing. Everybody's got a sob story. How I many have heard this before? Everybody's got a sob story. Jesus, everybody's trying to take advantage of you. Jesus, who do they think they are coming to you and asking for you to this? Don't they know you've been, how busy you've been? Don't they know you're on a mission from God? Don't they know that you have people to preach to, people to see? Don't they know that you have a kingdom to set up? Don't they know that you're a Messiah? Send her away. She won't leave us alone. She crieth after us. And then Jesus responds to him, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of Israel. Imagine where she's standing. He was her only hope. And now all these obstacles are in her way and she's just, there's a lot of folks like me and like people like us that say, that's it, I'm done. I'm done. I tried the church thing. I tried the religious thing. I tried the Jesus thing. But look what she does in verse 25. She makes a decision that even though the answer was no, that even though there was silence, even though the disciples didn't think she was worthy, even though Jesus said that she wasn't the one he came to see, even though Jesus had in that moment told her no to her request and left her right where she started in the middle of her pain, in the middle of her suffering, in the middle of her misery, she made the decision to worship. Verse 25, verse 25, then came she and worshiped him. This is the same word worship you, you see when the wise men came from the east as Jesus was a toddler and they fell down and they worshiped him and they gave him gifts. This was the same word when they truly admired him, not just for his earthly being, not just for a pretty baby there in the manger, not just for a man here that could perform miracles, but worship him in such a way to signify that he is God. And notice what she says this time. She came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. The first time she said, Lord, help me, my daughter. This time she just says, Lord, help me. This is speculation. But could it be if you're not going to help my daughter and change my circumstances, could it be, could you just help me deal with the circumstances that I have? If the answer is no, then just be with me. 
If I'm going to go back and have to deal with the life that I've been dealt and deal with the hand that I've been dealt, because don't mistake this for a prosperity message. This isn't if you just try hard enough and you're real about it and you're sincere enough, God will give you anything. Sometimes the answer is no. And don't miss this. She's worshiping here in this moment said, if the miracle never comes, if you never give me what I'm asking for, if you never say yes, if you never honor my request, if you never hear my plea, if you never speak to me again, I'm worshiping you as king. So be it. As Job said, naked came I into this world and naked to the dust shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. She said, even if the answer is no, I'll worship him. Oh, how we let our circumstances dictate our worship, don't we? I know me. I've had a long week at work. I've got nothing but bad news at work. I've got nothing but, yeah, you could have done this better. You could have done that better. Yeah, great job. You made us lots of money, but you could have done this better. And sometimes I'll drag in here and go, you know, I'm trying. And we let our circumstances dictate our, dictate, dictate our worship. Here we see a woman. If you're not going to change my circumstances, so be it. I'm going to worship you. Help me. Here I am. In that moment, Jesus kind of is, no, is not quiet anymore. Look at what happens. But he answered and said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it unto dogs. I'll say this. If a pastor spoke to this lady like Jesus is speaking to this lady, a pastor would probably get slapped. Just being honest. Because Jesus says, first he completely ignores her. Think about this. We'll use Brother Dan. <laughs> lady comes and says, Brother Dan, I need your prayers. I've got this going on. Brother Dan completely ignores her. She comes again, Brother Dan says, I've come to be with my people, not your people. And then she bows down and worships, not Brother Dan, but Brother Dan's God and, and, and worships God and worships the Lord. And he said, I'm not going to give the king's bread to dogs. Imagine if a pastor said what Jesus said. But look at the faith of this woman. And this is the crux of the message her prize because we saw her petition we saw her persistence now we're going to see her prize but he answered and said it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs did the Lord Jesus really just call this woman a dog metaphorically yes he did and she said truth first of all it was a humble prize when you and I get to the place where we realize who we are before an almighty righteous king, that's the moment we can start really understanding the mind and the will of God for our lives. I am no better than her, nor are you. When he made this statement, he wasn't just picking on this little old Canaanite woman. He was saying something like this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He was saying something like this, for there is none righteous, no, not one. He was saying so that your greatest righteousness is as filthy rags. He's saying the gift that I've come to give has not been meant to cast unto dogs. When you and I realize that that is all we are before a holy, righteous, perfect God like Jesus Christ, you and I are no more than dogs. You and I are no more than filthiness. You and I are no more than sinners. And when you get to realize in exactly where you are, the, the humility begins to take place. And when you begin to understand exactly, even though maybe you've been saved for 20 years, even though you've been saved 
slave for 30 years. You're just a sinner saved by grace. There is nothing that sets you apart from any other human being. There's nothing special about you. God is no respecter of persons. And that when he saves you and he allows you to do things and that he allows you to take part in his ministry and in his kingdom, it is simply him working in you. It was a humble prize. She had to realize where she was. She said, truth, Lord. Imagine if Pastor Dan called some young lady a dog and she had enough faith to say, it is true. Those of you who've done prison ministry, done homeless ministries, you've seen people be this honest. There's a certain point of broken that humans can get to where they truly see how they are. And it's a brokenness that'll help you to realize that we're just sinners saved by grace. It was a healthful prize and it was a household prize. We'll close with this. She said, truth, Lord, but the dogs get to eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She understood something. In her humility, in her position as a Canaanite, as a, as a, as a, as a low-down dog, like we all are, before the perfection and righteousness and holiness of God. She realized that while he metaphorically was saying the bread has been given for the house of Israel, she was saying, I'll just take the crumbs. Because she understood something that modern science now tells us. That if you were to take a piece of bread or a piece of cake or a piece of whatever and you were to break a crumb off of it, you were to put it under a microscope or put it into some chemical solution or chemically analyze it, if there was sugar in the cake, there'd be sugar in the crumbs. And if there was cinnamon in the cake, there'd be cinnamon in the crumbs. If there was cocoa powder in the cake, praise God, there'll be cocoa powder in the crumbs. I'll just take the crumbs, Lord, because if there's grace in the loaf of bread, then there's grace in the crumbs. If there's mercy in the loaf of bread, then there's mercy in the crumbs. If there's healing in the bread, then there's mercy in the crumbs. I don't need the whole loaf. I'm not worthy of the whole loaf. I'll just take the crumbs. I'll just take as much mercy as you'll give me just as I am without one plea. Humbly, oh God, I come and I'll just take the crumbs. A lot of times in life, we get ourselves thinking we're too big for the crumbs. And we deserve a big old slice of the pie. And we deserve a big old slice of the loaf. When if we got real honest with ourselves, all we're worthy of is the crumbs. And if you begin to see your life and mine, especially as a saved child of God, that all we're worthy of is the crumbs, before you'll know it, you'll start to realize, hey, I, don't, I didn't deserve anything. I didn't deserve anything, but God gave me a wife. I didn't deserve anything, but God gave me beautiful children. I didn't deserve anything, but God gave me a church family. I didn't deserve anything, but God gave me a pastor. I didn't deserve anything, but God gave me a job. These are crumbs in our little lives that fall from the master's table that you and I ought to get real used to understanding that we ought to be thankful for what we do have. Tonight, we have to understand something, that to get the crumbs... I'll close with this. You have to be near the master's table. And to be near the master's table, you have to be in the master's house. And if you're going to get in the master's house, then you have to be part of the master's family. Well, what do I got to do to be part of the master's family? Just ask the master. He allows us to be part of the family. 
He allows us to come into his house. He allows us not just to eat the crumbs that fall off the table, but sometimes to even have a seat at the table for little spans in life and share in his will and share in his ministry and share in his kingdom and be used of him and be blessed by him and have grace sufficient for every need. Tonight, as we close, Miss Joy's coming just as I am without one plea. When was the last time you thanked God for some crumbs? I understand we've got, we've got home folks here tonight. Everybody in here tonight, bless God, may be saved. But I know when this message was preached to me, there was a lot of crumbs in my life that I kept looking at like they were little bitty just crumbs and I deserve more pieces of the bread. But this message reminded me and I hope it reminds you that the crumbs are all we deserve. We don't even deserve those. Jesus finished with this lady by saying, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. Please don't mistake this as a prosperity message. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is silence. Sometimes our circumstances do not change. But in those times, we have to be willing to understand we'll just take the crumbs. Standing all over the house, let's sing. If anybody needs to just come pray or make your pew and altar, just say thank you, Lord, for the crumbs. Thank you, Lord, for the wife I didn't deserve or the home I don't deserve. Thank you for this blessing or that blessing. Lord, I'll just take the crumbs.